0: This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores.
1: Hi, this is Dan Fouts, and you're listening to Clark
0: and Ira
1: on the iTest for Two podcast.
2: Well, welcome to this week's All Things Brady podcast, otherwise known as the I test for two. I'm Clark Judge. <laughs> I'm Ira Kaufman. And we are both Hall of Fame voters, joined each and every week by our Hall of Fame producer, Ian Glenn. And I hope you know that. I also hope you know that Ian and Ira live in the Tampa area. Ira lives in Tampa itself. Ian and St. Pete. And guys, um, I, I know you've got an interest here. Ira, you cover the team. And you're the chairman, I think, of the Tampa chapter of the Brady fan club. But uh, anyway,
1: what in God's name is going on with him and the team? Clark, this will continue to be a story, rightfully, until he plays better and, and the Bucks played better. Uh, it's a legitimate story. Clark, the latest chapter is the craft wedding on right, Friday yeah. night where uh, I hear that Brady cut, cut a rug. Uh, with, with, uh, with, with half the guests in the audience. But um, yeah, Giselle wasn't there, right? No, Giselle. No. And, and no Belichick. No, and Belichick. no, Belichick. Yeah, I hope and, he wasn't and, dancing with Belichick. And Ian, whose name is on Belichick's uh, checks? Bob Craft. And, and he didn't go, and Brady did. Yeah. So, Ian, they're legitimate issues in, until uh, this team gets its act together.
0: Well, and, and my my answer will stay consistent. I mean, that was definitely not a good game from any aspect of it. But I'm I'm still puzzled by the Bucks' insistence on I believe it was 12 first down plays in the second half, and they ran eight times. And you know, through six games, they have just a god awful run game, and and it's still confusing from that standpoint, why they keep doing things that are counterproductive. But you're right. I mean, until they play better, it's going to be the top story leading every newscast uh, talking about the Bucks.
2: It's on the back page of the New York Post when the Yankees and the Mets aren't. I mean, that's the kind of story it is. Um, so I want to ask you, Ian, I'll start with you, what Ben Roethlisberger said this week. Pretty interesting comment, I thought. He said Brady didn't look like he wanted to be out there against the Steelers. You saw that game. What'd you think?
0: I think he was just frustrated. I, I don't, I mean, he's out there. He wants to be out there. I, I think people are kind of, you know, it's easy to, to connect the dots with the wedding and all that stuff. I just think he was frustrated. And we saw that on the sidelines. And, you know, that's, we've seen stuff like that from him throughout his career. And as part of his, uh, I guess, competitive fire, just you don't appreciate that until they start winning again. And until yeah, then, right. it's, it's, it's always going to be a quote unquote issue.
1: Uh, I think, uh, Clark, I think there's an overall lack of energy. Uh, from the Bucks on both sides of the ball. Pittsburgh looked like uh, they, they were having more fun than than Tampa all game long. Why do you think that is? Why, why do you think there's a lack of energy? Well, I hope it's not that the team uh, takes its uh, cue from the head coach because Todd Bowles is very even keel too. Uh, and he's got a lot to prove right now, uh, Clark. And so does Byron Leftwich, uh, who better not use any of the tapes from these first six games when he goes to interview for jobs. Yeah, well, the, the one thing I will say about Brady, I thought he retained
2: his sense of humor when he said, You know, it's a bad day when I drop more F bonds and I throw TD passes. <laughs> and he's right. Okay, well, one team that isn't having problems is the Philadelphia Eagles at six and zero. They are the NFL's only unbeaten club and entering this season. Who would have thought it, right, Ira? Who would have thought that? Absolutely. Yeah, well, I'll tell you one person who might have. That's <laughs> Hall of Fame voter and best-selling author. This is Sal Palantonio of ESPN. He lives into the Philadelphia area. He's covered the team for years, and he survived the Rizzo years as a political reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer. And fortunately for us, he's with us today. Sal, thanks so much for joining us.
3: Oh, listen, anytime I get a call from my Hall of Fame brethren, <laughs> Ira and Clark Judge, two of my favorites. Uh, I'm ready to go, so thank you for having me.
1: Got it. Now I'm going to start right off with, uh, with this. I, I have a problem with today's guest, Clark. I have a problem, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I went to NYU for journalism school in 1975. Sal Pal went there in 1978. Yet, Mr. Palantonio has a Wikipedia page, and I do not. Uh, Sal, right off the bat, I got a problem with that.
3: <laughs> you know, the bottom line is you're smarter than I am, but I'm just a little better looking. So that's what they made that. <laughs> Sal, <laughs> uh, I've, been,
1: I've been dying to ask somebody like you this question, and I don't think anybody's in a better position to answer it. Sal, you, you hear about sports fans in different towns, different parts of the country, um, have certain characteristics. They're unique. Sal, what is special about the Philadelphia sports fan?
3: Yeah, you know, Ira, I get asked that question a lot, and here's how I answer it. The Philadelphia Phillies had 10,000 losses in the 20th century, more than any other professional sports team in North America. And yet, and yet, the Philadelphia Phillies fans stayed with the team, forked over the money for a new stadium, you know, really passionately support the team in a way that you just don't see considering the level of loss that they have been through. And then for Philadelphia Eagles fans, Ira, they reside in the NFC East. So there were 12, 12 Super Bowl titles total in the NFC East before the Eagles got their first one. Dallas, Washington. New York Giants, all had Super Bowl titles, multiple Super Bowl titles with Hall of Fame coaches. And the Eagles did not. And yet, the Eagles fans never abandoned their football team. So I would say it's loyalty in the face of overwhelming, overwhelming disappointment and disillusionment. And, of course, disinheritance. The fact that these teams were so bad for so long, you had one owner with the Philadelphia Eagles, Leonard Toes, who went broke from gambling. You had other owners of the Phillies who were, you know, in many ways, malfeasant in the way they ran the teams. The the Phillies were the last team to integrate in Major League Baseball. Uh, So... You know, there are a lot of reasons why they could have been abandoned and they weren't, and that's why I say loyalty is something that you can't really measure except when you figure out how much those fans have paid over the years for tickets, parking, jerseys, hats, that sort of thing. They put their money on the line when their team ownerships did not.
1: And, Sal, more specifically, what kind of players – do Philly fans uh, drift towards or who, who do they appreciate?
3: Well they appreciate uh, the same you know the same kind of players that you know are appreciated all over the country I think there really isn't much difference People like players who work hard who are passionate about being where they are where their feet are I think that's super important uh, and who are loyal and give back in the community. And luckily, Philadelphia has had those kinds of people. You know, people, uh, one of the most charitable players in Philadelphia history was Donovan McNabb. Donovan McNabb's partnership with hospitals in South Jersey was second to none. He devoted his time and his money to helping uh, indigent and poor and young people and people in need all over South Jersey in a way that we haven't seen before. And I think he doesn't get enough credit for that. So there's been a lot of that quiet, charitable endeavor done by a lot of important athletes in the, in in the community right now, Bryce Harper, very charitable guy. People like that in Philadelphia, people like that in every community, but I think in Philadelphia, it goes a long way for sure. And
1: on this 2022 Eagle team, um, the one thing that jumps out at me, Sal, and they do a lot of things well, they are plus 12 in turnover ratio. Sal, the next team is plus four. What's going on there in terms of uh, takeaways and giveaways? They lead the league in both categories.
3: Well, it is a point of emphasis of head coach Nick Siriani Ira, Prior to the game against Jacksonville, when I interviewed Sirianni outside the Eagles locker room, I asked him, what was your message to the team as you take on the Jaguars in the Doug Peterson Bowl? And he said, Sal, two things we emphasized last night and this morning. We're going to win the double positive in every game. Positive number one is explosive plays. Positive number two is the turnover battle. And this team is the only team in the NFL right now, Ira, that has won the turnover battle in all six of its games. So they practice during the week, stripping the ball, taking it away, making sure they're in position in a way that if you watched Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant, they were very good at filling in the backside passing lanes. There's a reason why Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan were always all team defense, all NBA defense every year. Backside passing lanes, as they teach you in basketball. If you cut them off, you have a chance to create turnovers and steal the ball with not a lot of effort. And Sirianni is a big basketball nut and they practice taking away the backside passing lanes for the quarterback all of the time. And so that's why you saw Trevor Lawrence, Ira, coming into Philly, he was a pretty hot quarterback. Cooper Rush, coming into Philly, he was a pretty competent quarterback. Both of those guys shriveled in the moment, both of them threw three interceptions, and that was, in my view, the major difference with the Eagles winning both of those games.
2: We're speaking with the ESPN Sal Palantonio on the eye test for two. And Sal, when you were talking about what makes the Eagles and Phillies fans special, especially when you're talking about the Phillies fan specials, I thought you were talking about the Cubs fans, to be honest with you. I mean you talk about loyalty with the exception yeah. of the stadium. But they were always the lovable fans, the lovable fans. Philly fans have a very different uh, reputation. And I'll be honest, when I was covering the 49ers and the West coast had come East and I, I did a Monday night game, I think it was in, in Philadelphia. And uh, it was unforgettable. Um, oh, the, the 49ers ran them out of the stadium. But at the end I go down on the field when you could go down, you know, the end to the last two minutes, <laughs> Mariucci turns around and goes, get out of here, get out. He dismissed <laughs> half of his football team, sent them to the locker room because was, they were that, was that
3: the game where they set off the flare. Yes. Flare? Yes. I was there. Yes. Yes, I was
2: there. And they arrested people and they had him downstairs and went, They
3: arrested people that shocks me. Yeah.
2: so I said, "Oh my god, I can't wait to get out of here." Um, but to hear you talk about the loyalty, yeah, I always think it was loyalty, but then I went to a um a Terrell Owens game when he came back, you know, with the uh, Cowboys, and they were they were throwing TVs in the parking lot and smashing them. I was, "Oh god almighty, what is going on around here?" But nevertheless, when you describe them you, you, get, you talked about the loyalty and how how important that is to uh, you and also the people who follow sports there, which leads to my questions. It's a long way of getting into it. What is that city more excited about now, the Phillies or the Eagles?
3: Oh, boy, you know, it's a football town for sure. But, you know, the Phillies have taken over so far. You know, the hunt for red October is real here, uh, especially after uh, the way the Phillies have won. Uh, improbable series uh, against teams that were favored. So, uh, you know, I think, I think the Phillies right now are holding court because, you know, it is already the postseason, Clark. Mm-hmm. You know, the reputation is well-earned. Uh, Veteran Stadium had a, a judge and a court in the basement. for it, You know, I mean, and, uh, you know, I call them the children of a lesser God. It, it is the city <laughs> of a brotherly shove, you know. It's a city that shoves you back. So – Uh, and I can say those kind of things because I've lived here for 30 years. I just had my 30th Eagles opening day. I've covered the team for three decades, uh, and uh, I've seen it all here, uh, the highs and the lows, but with this particular team, there is a complete love affair, uh, uh, unabated, without question. And here's the reason why. I think it's because of Jalen Hurts. He's tough, he's smart, he's a very good leader, and he has brought a sense of calm to a team that had a lot of difficulty in the waning years of Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson. But most important, every time he wins, he's very, very grounded. And he says into the camera and in the microphone, we got a long way to go. He sounds a lot like Brady. Honestly, we got to clean up this, this and this, you know, we got to play better in these areas. We're six and zero, but we haven't even begun. And I think the town has really gravitated towards his personality. So Sal,
2: you know, listen to you, describe him. He's tough, smart, very good leader, sense of calm. Again, it sounds like somebody I've heard before. It sounds like Donovan McNabb, who you referenced earlier. Uh, I mean, given the two hurts uh, McNabb, where do Philadelphia Eagles fall these days? Where do you fall? I mean, uh, is one better than the other? Is the one who's more appreciated than the other?
3: Well, I mean, it's hard. I mean, Donovan McNabb is the best quarterback uh, of all time for the Philadelphia Eagles from a statistical standpoint, you know, and went to all those championship games once it went, went to a Super Bowl. Yeah. To me, to me, Nick Foles is the number one all-time Eagle. I mean, I, I, the guy performed – pull the rabbit out of his hat and won a super bowl. Right. So uh, that's the way I view that. Uh, I think Jalen hurts is in the category of just begun to fight. He's the John Paul Jones of football right now. And he understands that.
2: Okay. And then lastly here, you talked about special and we were talking about what makes the fans there special. What makes this team special? Um, Is it a particular person? Is it Sirianni? Is it Howie Roseman, the GM? Is it Jalen Hurts? Or is it uh, something that's altogether apart from individuals and more involved with the the team concept?
3: You know, I think bringing A.J. Brown in was a stroke of genius by Howie Roseman. Because, you know, you mentioned the Donovan McNabb era. And you lived through T.O. in San Francisco. I did. There there was a lot of fights between Donovan McNabb and T.O. There were a lot of fights between Randall Cunningham and Seth Joyner and Clyde Simmons, and, you know, there's always been the yin and the yang in Philadelphia. This team is together, Clark. This team is together, and I think it's largely due to the personalities of Hertz, and Brown and Devontae Smith and the head coach. Uh, I, I, I This team is in it together in a way that I have never seen before.
1: Sal, I'm looking at the schedule. I see Steelers, Texans, and Commanders. So, Sal, now I'm the guy that said the Bucs are going to be 5-2 and two in a couple of weeks, and then they go to Pittsburgh and lose. So, you never know. But, Sal, it looks like they could be 9-0 and oh going into Indy. And, you know, Indy's not a great team. They're okay. Um, is this team for real, Sal?
3: I think they'll be favored in every game for the rest of the year, for sure. Home and away. So looking at their schedule, and I looked at it from the beginning, and I thought this team had 12 or 13 wins at the beginning of the year based on what I saw in training camp and the schedule. Um, You know, they don't really play a Pro Bowl-level quarterback on the road for a long time. And that, to me, is always how I measure a schedule, Ira. Are you playing a Pro Bowl-level quarterback on the road? will your defense face a guy that they can't get off the field, right? And they don't really face that guy on the road. Rodgers comes in. um, Maybe when they get to Dak Prescott late in the year in Dallas, that will be a little bit of an issue. Matt Ryan certainly with the Colts, they'll still be favored by, in my view, four to five or six points in that game in Indianapolis. But their schedule is this. They worked yesterday. Sirianni brought them in. I'm, I'm sorry, it's Wednesday. They worked on Monday. He brought them in on Monday and then gave them this week off. They have worked very, very hard this summer. And uh, my anticipation is, is he'll bring them back and he'll show them, okay, this is exactly what we need to do to clean up so that we can beat a Pittsburgh Steelers team that stole a game from Tom Brady. And he will show them sacking Tom Brady. He will show them completing passes that they had no business completing against the Todd Bowles defense. You and I know that defense very well. So uh, I think he will show them and say, "All right, forget six and zero. We want to go one and zero. We're coming back from the bye. Let's just beat this team."
1: Sal, from my perspective, tell me if you agree. You know the learning process last year. Sal, They were nine and eight, but they made the postseason. They come to my town. They play the Bucks, And, Sal, it's 31-0 after three quarters. Forget about the last two touchdowns by Philly. But it was a process, Sal. They learned from it. They, they were not ready in 2021 to step up in class. So, Sal, uh, I think that was an important step for this franchise.
3: Yeah, they'll, they'll never admit it, but you're right. You know, there's no moral victories. Uh, it's hard to lose, learn from losing. You have to sort of admit your mistakes and have the intellectual honesty to go forward and figure out what you have to do. And that's exactly where Jalen Hurts comes in. If you remember, Ira, in the bivouac there at Raymond James Stadium, where they put the visiting team for their press conference. I sat there in the press room. Jalen Hurts came in in a boot because he injured his ankle in that game. He would have surgery the next day. And he looked into the camera and he looked at all the reporters and he said into the microphone, my year three starts tomorrow. And that blew me away. It blew me away for so many reasons. First of all, he wasn't coached up to say that. He did that on his own. He's a very young man. Uh, and he didn't have to say that in no circumstances right then and there. But he had the wherewithal and the presence of mind to do that. And that set the tone for that team when he said that.
1: Sal, last one for me. Thanks so much for your time, Sal. Um, talk a little bit more about Howie Roseman, Sal in particular, uh, getting past the Wentz situation you know when you i don't know if it was a mistake sal in retrospect with wentz but you know if it doesn't work out usually it sets you back five years and and
3: and here they are they roseman's made some some brilliant moves here yes he definitely has i mean uh you know he looked at the nfl landscape and said all right well the wide receivers are moving around for big money and i need one and the titans weren't going to pay aj brown And so he made a last-minute trade for A.J. Brown and then gave him $100 million, and it was a stroke of genius, no question about it. And then after getting burned, a lot of Pac-12 players, Andre Dillard and some others, um, he went to the SEC, and he said, you know what, I'm going to go to Georgia. I'm going to scout these guys. I'm going to bring in the Kobe Dean. I'm going to bring in the big tackle. I'm going to find myself an heir apparent to Jason Kelsey. I'm going to build from the inside out, which is what they did in the Super Bowl year. So I think he's had a nice bounce back from some of the mistakes that he's made post-Super Bowl. Remember, he traded for Jay Ajayi in that Super Bowl run. So to me, if you're asking me, is this a Super Bowl team? I look at the NFC And it's different from the AFC. The AFC is Buffalo or bust, bottom line, right? We look at Buffalo. They're number one in scoring defense, number two in scoring offense. They came back in Baltimore. They came back in Kansas City. Josh Allen, hands down MVP. Jalen Hurts is number two. It's Buffalo or bust. It's going through Buffalo, in my view, unless something major happens. Philadelphia is in a wide open NFC. It could, it could be at any number of teams. What do the Eagles need to close the deal? Two things. I think they need a run of the running back, Ira. This team leads the league in rushing attempts, leads the league in rushing touchdowns. All the talk about Jalen Hurts being a passer, this is a run first offense. It's a run based offense. They need a late season trade for a running back like they did in 2017 and then the other thing is i'm worried about lane johnson he's now had three concussions three's the magic number as you know clark three's the magic number yep um they need to find out what they have at right tackle if they don't have get that fixed long term i think that could be an issue
2: we're speaking with ESPN, Sal Palantonio on the eye test for two. And uh, Sal, since you mentioned that about the schedule coming up in the NFC, to me, the logical question is, isn't the, isn't the NFC essentially Philadelphia in a cast of thousands at this point? I mean, I don't, I don't know who the second best team is.
3: Well, I think, Clark, that is true to a certain degree. But going back to what I was talking about, you know, their schedule is pretty weak. So they, they've been tested for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. They have. But it's Jacksonville that went up 14-0 with Trevor Lawrence. It's Dallas with Cooper Rush. Uh, Now they're going to play three teams that they should beat. So I think people will remain skeptical. I think there will be a skepticism about the team, despite their record uh, for a number of weeks going forward, until they play Dallas on the road. The Giants don't come up on the road until December until the Packers come in. So there's, you're not going to listen. You're not going to go 17 and Oh, you're not. Yeah. Right, right. Right. We know that. So where are the losses going to come from and how do they rebound and how do they fix some of these injury issues going forward? They're in a great spot. There's no question about it. Um, but I think the NFC is still wide open. I think somebody can steal a game or uh, a, uh, Clark, I don't think you can steal one from Buffalo right now. I just don't. I just don't.
2: Yeah, well, the, the Heat and Miami stole one from them earlier this season when they had 90 plays of the Dolphins, 39. But I agree with you on, on the Bills. To me, it's Buffalo and everyone else, although Kansas City pushes them to the mat every time they seem to play. Um, and, and then a couple last things here. I already mentioned they were 9-8 last year, and they were. And I saw that game in Tampa. I wasn't there, but I certainly watched it on TV. And now this is a mismatch, and Hertz looked out of sorts and sort of wrote them off after that. But he looks like a different guy this year, just seems like a different guy. Now, I don't know if the difference is A.J. Brown. I don't know if the difference is the (laughs) offensive line or what's going on, or if the difference is with him. Um, But what's the – if you had to point to one significant change in this quarterback, because I agree with you, I think he is an MVP candidate. And I don't know who second is. I mean, clearly it's it's, uh, going to be Josh Allen, number one, if he doesn't get hurt. But, you know, you've got Mahomes, you've got Hurts. Occasionally you've got Lamar Jackson, who two weeks or three weeks ago, they were touting as the MVP. It seems like everyone's jockeying for second. But what's happened to this guy? I mean, what's the difference between the guy who walked off the field in Tampa and and the quarterback you see now?
3: Okay, it's three things. One, body. Uh, He got off sugary drinks. He slimmed down in his core. He started really lifting his weights uh, to increase his strength in his legs and his upper arms. He went from a college body to a pro body. Mm -hmm. That's one. Two, he went out to California. He worked with some coaches. They worked on his mechanics and footwork so that he would have consistency in resetting his feet to deliver the football. So that's body. Mind, uh, certainly in the offseason – He was helped by A.J. Brown coming in and the team saying, we're building around you. Everything remains around you. And I think year two as a starter going in, I called it the year of living dangerously. They were putting all of their chips on the middle of the table on Jalen Hurts. So mind and body. And number three, as Ron Jaworski taught me very early on when I became the host of the matchup show, Quarterback is the most dependent position in all of sports, and he's got a lot of dependable people around him. Head coach, Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator. You guys mentioned Howie Roseman and how they have built around him. He's got this PR team and marketing team, all women, and he calls them a bunch of hustlers just like me. He's got people around him, you know, who are really helping him. Um, and then, like I said, number one rushing team. They, if you look at the last two games, 26 pass attempts in Arizona, 25 to beat Dallas on Sunday night. That sounds like to me what Bill Cower did with Ben Roethlisberger in year one and two when Roethlisberger was a rookie with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. We're going to run the ball and we're going to have 23, 25, 26, 27 pass attempts. If it goes to 30, we're not doing our job.
2: Yeah, Ira and I, by the way, have the same marketing teams around us. We just call them our wives. They're all they're females, so we just call them <laughs> our wives. Um, and, and secondly, um, you know, Hurts, when they drafted him, I was sort of surprised because they had Carson Wentz, who was a favorite guy at that point, but they got him in the second round. So what did they see in him that others, including Ira, and I, and maybe you missed in Jalen Hurts.
3: You know, I think Alabama was a big part of it. Howie Roseman, people don't know this. Howie Roseman has a summer home in Alabama. (laughs) Yes. And he spends a lot of time there and he talks to Nick Saban a lot.
2: Smart idea. That's a good idea. Yes. Uh,
3: And he follows the sec quite closely. And, um, I think if, if you sit down, and I've sat down and talked to Jalen Hurts, I did a number of one on one interviews with him mm-hmm. um, this summer and this fall. The one that really stands out to me, Clark, was in the middle of the summer of violence in Philadelphia. He took ownership on a citywide level of bringing the epidemic of gun violence to the forefront in the public. I, and in a way that was smart, mature, soft spoken, but tough understanding of what the community needs. And I just see the way he interacts with fans and with people and with other players and coaches. And when you, when you talk to him, you're like, this is a guy I want to marry my daughter. This is the guy that I want part of my family. That's what you think of Jalen Hurts when you talk to him.
2: And, and lastly, Sal, I'm going to get off of Jalen Hurts, and I was going to ask you a Dumb NAB question, but we're running out of time, so I'm going to ask you a Sal Palantonio question, which is I was looking at that Wikipedia um, source. One that, that Ira, Ira mentioned. Yeah. yeah, the one that Ira mentioned <laughs> that we're trying to build for Ira, but we can't really find <laughs> anyone to contribute. Um, but anyway, look at there, and it. It mentioned that you served in the U.S. Navy from 1979 to 1983 and you were a surface warfare officer. Not only that, you were awarded the U.N. Meritorious Service Medal. Um, could you speak a little bit about that and maybe how that experience might have gotten you ready for covering Frank Rizzo and the Philadelphia Eagles?
3: Big, big, big questions, Clark. I'll, <laughs> I'll give it a shot. So, um, you know, Uh, all of my family on my mother and father's side all served in the military, but my dad did not. He had cataracts at birth. So it was really incumbent upon me to continue the military service. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I went into the Navy voluntarily at the, uh, after the Vietnam war, when it wasn't in vogue, volunteered, served in the Pacific and Indian oceans and, um, On two different ships, did three what we call Westpac tours. People who are watching this will know what they are. They're long, difficult tours at sea. Did a lot of chasing of Russian submarines. Um, And one of the things that we had to do in the South China Sea was help in the rescue of Vietnamese refugees. So I was part of a group of men and officers on ships that uh, that. Rescued thousands of Vietnamese refugees and brought them to the United Nations Refugee Center in Singapore. And many of them were repatriated in Texas. Lots of them were. Many. Dallas, Texas has a lot of them. Uh, and they have grown into uh, pillars of the community. So um, I'm, we're, we're, of course, very proud of what we did on the USS Olet and the USS Haleakala. Uh, in that really troubled time off the coast of Vietnam in the South China Sea, and I was part of it, and uh, very proud of it. And of course, you know, after you do that, covering covering politics in Philadelphia, <laughs> covering covering the NFL, it's not, is no big deal, you know. Uh, you trial by fire for sure.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Sal
2: Palantonio, thanks so much for the time. Keep up the good work. We'll see you on ESPN. Thanks so much, Sal.
3: Okay, thanks for having me very much.
2: Thanks, Sal. That was ESPN Sal Palantonio. And Ira, I think he's right. Um, the Eagles, you look at that schedule, uh, it's not a very difficult schedule. There are a lot of cupcakes in there, and that's not to demean the Eagles. I think they're playing really well. I don't see anyone in the NFC right now, at least, through six weeks, who's really competitive with them. But again, if you look at that schedule not really that difficult. And when he talks about 12, 13, 14
1: wins, I think it's very doable. You're right Clark. Every time I get, you know, a little excited about the 49ers because they got yeah. a, you know, real good defense, you know, they go to Atlanta and they get blown out. I don't understand that. Well, they
2: got a ton of injuries right now, but I agree with you. That, that to me is the team to watch. I think that eventually is going to be the team to compete with them because of that defense, but they've got a raft of injuries right now. So, oh, Ira. Right. It's our weekly I Was There, except when you don't show up because you weren't here last week. So anyway, where were you and when were you?
1: Clark, it's a pleasure to rejoin my... my Thank you very much. Yeah, nice to have you back. Uh, Clark, in honor of our guest, you know, our our very articulate guest, Sal Palantonio, I was in Tampa when the Philadelphia Eagles rolled in postseason 1979 December 29th, 1979. I was just uh, getting my feet wet with the town of Tampa. Uh, Eagles come in, four-and-a-half-point favorites, playoff game. Ron Jaworski under center, Harold Carmichael. Clark, the next thing you know, this is the fourth year of the Buck franchise, year four of the franchise. Next thing you know, the Bucks are up 17 to nothing on the favored Eagles. They hold on and win the game 24-17. Clark, Doug Williams throws only 15-1-5 passes. You know why? Because Ricky Bell, the late, great Ricky Bell, carried the ball 38 times for 142 yards and two touchdowns. Clark, 40 years later, I think there's only been one guy that's carried more in a playoff game. Only one. Uh, and that's including John Riggins, uh, you know, when he had his run. So, you know, the Bucks go <laughs> and win the game, and Clark. The next week, the Rams come to town with Vince Ferragamo, and they beat the Bucks nine to nothing, Clark. Nine that, to yeah. zero. Yeah. And Clark, I'm going to top it off with this one: the Buck quarterbacks, which was Doug Williams and a guy named Mike Ray, who I think played for Southern Cal uh, in college. My great. Well, anyway, Gluck, they were four for 26 throwing the football. I mean, can you believe that? Four completions, 26 pass attempts. I've never seen that.
2: Yeah, I don't know that I have either, and I've seen a lot of bad football. But it's, it's funny. When you talk about those teams, uh, that was a completely different game. But I look at that when you talk about Ricky Bell with 38 carries. I look at what Tampa did two weeks ago. Yeah, three yards, right, against Kansas City? Three <laughs> yards? Unbelievable.
1: Three yards. You're right. At, at, you know, as our producer, Ian Glend- uh, Glendon, says, Clark, the buck running game is a disaster right yeah, now. it seems to be. It seems to be. They're barely averaging three yards to carry, Clark. That, that's hard to believe. Oh, and, and last question here,
2: since we're doing I Was There, there's a rumor going around that you were actually at PDQ last week. So, I mean,
1: where were you exactly last week? So these um, blew us off. I, I, I was doing a, a, a show with Derek Brooks in downtown Tampa, yeah, okay. and I didn't want to stop at PBQ again uh, and sit there by myself and, and put my phone on and look at your lovely countenance, uh, because then I would have had six people walking by saying, uh, hey, stage, who are you talking to over there? And then I would have had to say Clark Judge.
2: You know, it's it's funny, though, when, when, as I was talking about Jalen Hurts, he was talking about the, the body, you know, he's off sugary drinks. I thought he was talking about you, Ira. I thought he was talking about the Sage. <laughs>
1: I've slimmed down to a nifty 211. There you go. <laughs> and I'm having pizza tonight. How do you like that, Judge? How do you oh, like good, that? Good for you. I know it's not a PDQ.
2: So anyway, right, we go to final thoughts. What are your final thoughts either on this week or on your team?
1: Well, uh, you know, let, let's talk for one minute about Dan Snyder. For one minute, Clark. No um, more. Okay. And people, people are weighing in and saying he's going to be out of here in, in, very shortly. Clark, I'm not convinced. You got to get 24 votes. Yeah from his brethren, and I'm not sure you're going to get it at this point. Yeah, I agree
2: with you. I agree with him. Maybe the media wants him out, but I agree with you because he's got to get a substantial number of owners who are going to turn their backs on him. I, I think it's up in the air. Um, I think if you took account of people who are covering that team, certainly they would want him out. Uh, probably most Red uh, sorry, uh, Commanders fans uh, would want him out as well. But um, I, I think it's as undecided as you. Um, the thing I wanted to mention was I, I looked at the NFL today and we we're talking about this with Sal sort of and, you know, what's going on with the NFC. Um, you know, Pete Rozelle, when he was commissioner, he wanted parity. We all know about that. Well, you, guess what? They got it in the NFL now. You look at there are 22 teams, 500 or below including three divisions where all four teams are 500 or below. And the question I would ask, is it parody or mediocrity? And a quarterback, a a Hall of Fame destined quarterback that I know, and Ian worships, once said, a lot of bad football that I watch. I'd agree with that.
1: I think it's more mediocrity than parody. I was surprised Brady said that. Ian, when uh, Brady said it, I was shocked. But um, in retrospect, uh, Ian, it's tough to disagree with Brady.
0: Yeah, especially <clears throat> excuse me, especially when you had that Thursday night game right on the heels of those comments, and that w- might have been the worst game we've seen in quite some time. And uh, to your point, um, I, I, I'm pretty sure I almost saw 5-for-26 recently, and that was uh, the second half of the Broncos game where uh, I oh. think Russell Wilson went 5-for-18. So it's not too far off.
2: So, Ian, speaking of that, what's with Thursday night football? Some of the worst football we see. And and I know the reason they do it, money, money, money. But I've got to be honest with you. In terms of player safety or just competitive balance or whatever, get rid of it. The games are terrible. I'd rather terrible. have two
0: games Monday night. If, if you yeah, want you that. know, another national game, do a doubleheader Monday night. You get the, the East Coast and West Coast crowd through dinner and, and evening time. I think that's money right there, and, and save yourself the the short weeks.
2: Yeah, I, I'd like to see a uh, Monday doubleheader, too. Yankees, Astros, Padres,
1: Phillies. That's my idea of a doubleheader. Clark, anyway. have, you seen the, Clark have you seen the NFL schedule this weekend? It, it's awful, just awful. There's very few marquee games. Really?
2: Yeah, last weekend I thought was loaded. I thought last week was really good because you had the, the, the Bills in Kansas City. You're always gonna turn in, tune in for cowboys, that. And I, cowboys and Eagles. Cowboys yeah. and yeah. Eagles. I thought the Giants, Ravens, that's gonna give you an idea how good the right. Giants are. Jets, Packers, I went, now we're gonna find out that the Jets aren't for real. Uh, on second thought. Um, but it, I agree with you, um, uh, I, I, I've i taken a cursory look, but not real in-depth one. Uh, but Chiefs at Niners, I think is
1: the best game. So Chiefs do I, at-
2: and so do I. And I think San Francisco could surprise them. But as I said, they do have a wrath of, of injury. So um, anyway, we'll see. Anyway that's going to do it for this week. If you'd like to listen to this or any podcast, you can. Yeah, you can just go to the itestfor2.com or fullpresscoverage.com. And we are right there. Otherwise, we'll catch
1: you right here next week. Where Ira? On the itest for two, Clark. You got it. Thanks so much for listening.